What's going on, man? Welcome back to the basement. I'm Ron, and for those of you guys out there that have been around the channel for a while, you know that I am constantly preaching to avoid running backs in the dead zone. This is a graphic from a couple videos ago, but it shows here when we're chasing those elite ceilings in fantasy football, those 20-plus point-per-game scores in that round four to six dead zone area, there's only been one 20-plus point-per-game running back that was Fred Jackson in 2011 to five wide receivers in that area. We've seen guys like Jamar Chase and Debo Samuel and Cooper Cup and Last year, even, we saw not 20-plus points per game, but Amon Ross St. Brown and Jalen Waddell, still really, really good picks there. Even A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith were in that range last year. And from a more macro perspective, too, we can see using underdog advance rates, which is from a best ball site, but best ball is nice because it takes thousands and thousands of leagues with real money on the line, and we can then extrapolate that data and use it for our home leagues. And we can see here from rounds, I mean, running backs across the board, are giving you bad advance rates, but the last two years, rounds four through six are the absolute worst, and then it flips over in round seven to what I'm calling the green zone. These are running backs that last year we saw Tony Pollard, Ramondre Stevenson, Damian Pierce, Kenneth Walker, tons and tons of league winners happen in this range at the running back position. This is where we are spending all of our bullets on RB2s and Hero RB builds and RB1s and Zero RB builds, guys that we're building our roster around come from this green zone they are historically the best bets to make on running backs on the entire draft boards with all that being said we're going to get into our six must draft running backs for 2023 all of these guys going outside of the top six rounds they are rb3s and rb4s that i believe have rb1 upside in 2023 so with all that being said if you enjoy make sure down below subscribe leave a like let's go now first up we are going to talk through alvin kamara he is my 709 as my rb23 he is underdog adps 803 is the rb28 now this entire video is going to be geared towards underdog adp they have the best adp in all of the land make sure you check it out I have a link in the description, comment section down below, pinned at the top. You click it, it takes you to Underdog Fantasy. It'll use promo code RON, and once you use promo code RON, they will match your deposit up to $100. I know a lot of you guys out there have home leagues coming up. It is the most efficient ADP on the market. When you go to ESPNs and Yahoo's and Sleepers, there's so much junk on those sites where there's kids in the mock draft lobbies. There's not real money on the line, so the ADP isn't accurate. We're going to do videos in a couple weeks where I show you guys massive discrepancies from underdog versus these sites now it's fine to get some practice in for your home league but when you practice on underdog drafts you can get a feel for where players should be going and you get a feel for you know Chris Olave is a second round pick and Jonathan Taylor is a second round pick on there and you come out here to your home league and you see Jonathan Taylor available in the third round you see Olave available in the fourth round and you know right off the bat that these players are huge values I had a high stakes draft I just did uh, a few days ago where we streamed it and my first eight picks were super easy buttons to click because I knew on underdog these guys were top six round picks so make sure you definitely check it out it's a really good way to make sure you are sharp for your home league there's five dollar drafts out right now ten dollar drafts out right now really nice low entry points for you guys where you can go out there get a feel for what draft rooms are like right now and get ready for drafts from pretty much all angles now when we talk about Kamara again he's going at the 803 as the RB28 and that's his most recent ADP. He has been absolutely skyrocketing up ADP boards at this point where his old ADP, so this is the last month of ADP. He was at pick 103.1, and now he's at 87.2 today, which is a minus 
16 increase. That's about a round and four picks. He has been absolutely skyrocketing over this new news where we have his suspension finally announced. He got involved in some sort of Las Vegas incident. People were expecting like four to six games. He ends up with three games, which is a pretty light sentence considering that we have Jamison Williams missing like six for a gambling policy thing. So his rise up draft boards make sense, right? Like his suspension we were all expecting is about half of what we were expecting. And now I'm moving Kamara up my rankings. And to me, he's a key target for any of these zero RB hero RB teams that I'm going to be building in the future. Now we're going to make draft strategy videos on those strategies. I think zero RB is going to be coming up on like Wednesday. But in those strategies, you kind of want to patch it together in terms of your RB2 or running back in general. And I think he's the perfect guy where you're getting a discount on him because he's missing the first three games. You can kind of patch it together, throw out a P. Ryan, throw out like a Jeff Wilson, and eventually have Alvin Kamara as like a startable RB2 for the rest of the season that you can draft in the eighth round, right? You don't have to, you don't have to take uh, an RB2 in the dead zone rounds four through six. You get a nice discount here on a player that we know is talented. Now, Alvin Kamara is coming off a down year here. But it's only a down year because you drafted him in like the first or second round last year. When we sort of zoom out, he was still the RB13 in points per game, 14 points per game at running back. If you take him in like the eighth round, like we're doing this year with Kamara, that's a huge win. And that's also factoring in, he had just four touchdowns last year. That was the lowest total of his entire career. There's somebody who makes a living on finding the end zone and being super efficient. And it was just kind of him being in a bad environment where this was a bottom 10 offense last year. Now we can kind of have a little bit of a bounce back opportunity where you have Derek Carr coming in, sort of a revived passing game where Chris Olave is coming into his own. Michael Thomas is back and healthy. They invested a ton in the tight end position. And this is a team that was really banged up on the offensive line last year. They finished 29th in PFF's final offensive line rankings last year, whereas established the run has Brandon Thorne. He's a really, really good analyst. They have the Saints offensive line ranked 11th heading into 2023. So that's a big jump, right? That goes from like bottom five to now a top 12 offensive line unit. And when you have a better offensive line, a more threatening passing game, that opens up a lot for Alvin Kamara. Now, last year, again, he didn't pay off, but he still was an RB that handled his volume and he's still a top receiving back. Now, of course, those carriers are going to go down with Kendra Miller in the mix. You have Jamal Williams now in the mix, but that's kind of a good thing. The last two years, we can see here in his entire career, his best years, like 25 points per game in 2020, 23 points per game in 2018, came with less than 200 rush attempts. He didn't even play the full season the last two years, and he has 223 rush attempts last year and 240 the year before that in 13 games. So he's been rammed between the tackles more than he ever has in his entire career. And I think the or the Saints sort of realized that that's not how you use Alvin Kamara, and that's why they went out there, they spent big on a Jamal Williams. They went out there and spent a third-round draft pick on Kendra uh, Miller because they want guys who can go between the tackles. Now, the volume that he had last year, he was at 15 expected points per game. That's eighth in the NFL. Expected points per game is just based on your volume, your targets, your carries, how many points per game should you have. He underperformed that, of course. He also had the fourth-highest opportunity share. Now, of course, those volume numbers are going to come down, but he's going to have fresher legs where he can now be more efficient between the tackles. And the receiving were still going to be there. Kendrick Miller wasn't a good receiver in, in school. Jamal Williams never been a great receiving back either. And Alvin Kamara was still elite in that area. He was third among all running backs last year with an 18.2% target share. And he was still ultra efficient there. He was fifth in yards per out run ahead of a guy like Austin Eckler, who finished first overall among all running backs in points per game last year. So we are still getting the receiving upside. And we know 
receiving upside and touchdowns win fantasy leagues that when it comes to running back that's why we call them high value touches this is something that is coined by ben gretch he's really good with stealing signals and everything but it's what we want we want the touchdowns and the receptions and that's what kamara has in this offense now the efficiency has dipped right he lacked explosive plays last year he finished 47th in explosive run rate but again bad offensive line he was the only pure rusher between the tackles i think now when he comes onto the field as more of a receiving threat and third down spots and you know there's lighter boxes he's going to see more efficiency there and on a per play basis he had the eighth best success rate in the nfl among all qualifying running backs which is pretty good now success rate what Football Outsider says it is, it's the number that represents the player's consistency measured by successful running plays, the definition of success being different based on down and distance divided by total running plays. So he's giving you steady eddy production between the tackles. He just wasn't really breaking off any big runs, which is going to be tough when you're now, you know, again, he never had two, more than 200 carries in a given season. And in just 15 games last year, he had 223 carries. That's not his game. He's not a volume back. So now you have Kendra Miller, Jamal Williams eating up those between the 20s touches. And of course, Jamal Williams probably mixes in on the goal line, but they're not going to go away from Alvin Kamara, one of their best playmakers when it comes in close. Like he is that guy when you come in close and there's still a lot of investment from the team, which in my eyes, I think it matters, right? He is the second highest paid running back in the entire league behind just Christian McCaffrey. When he comes back, they're not just going to not utilize him. He's going to have a massive role in the receiving game. He's going to mix in on the goal line. He's going to mix in between the 20s. And again, Kamara's a kind of back where he doesn't need 20-plus touches per game like he's kind of been used in the last two years. I think this is more of his natural role. Now, the only thing that you kind of have to be uh, skeptical of here is there was a report Kareem Hunt might sign there today, which is a little bit of bad news because Kareem Hunt is the only receiving back that would be on the team not named Alvin Kamara. But I still do believe that he would just come in for the three-game suspension and then Kamara would still have his role there. So... To me, again, Kamara, when you pencil him in for the receiving work that he's always had, when you pencil him in for a little bit more of efficiency between the tackles but less volume, he is an every-week RB2 at worst that you can draft in the eighth round. You stomach the first three weeks. All of our money is made on those last three weeks in the playoffs. I don't know about you guys, but all of my leagues, like 80% of the payout goes to first place. So if I have to sacrifice the first three weeks and sort of figure it out until Kamara is back, so be it. It's not a big deal to me because, again, once he comes back, I'm going to have a hard time, like when I make my weekly rankings, keeping, out, keeping him outside of my top 24. 14, 13 points per game sounds about right for Kamara at the absolute worst. Now, moving on from that, our next must-draft running back here, outside of the first six rounds of ADP, we have Antonio Gibson. Antonio Gibson is a guy we've talked about a bunch, so I'm going to keep it sort of brief here. But... The market keeps pushing him up. He's now the 904 as the RB32 in ADP. He's my 810 as my RB32. So me and ADP are getting really close here. I'm not sure much longer I'll be able to stay ahead of market on Antonio Gibson, which is sort of fine to me, but he's somebody that I want to have a lot of. Antonio Gibson is the perfect profile to chase in these late rounds. He is right now slated to take over that J.D. McKissick role that we've been wanting the past couple of years where we want him in the passing game, right, where he is in the two-minute drill, long down and distance, third down stuff. And that's what we need for a guy like him who was a wide receiver in college and comes into the NFL as this, like, receiving weapon where he is six foot, 228 pounds, runs a 4.39, but then also caught a ton of passes in college. Uh, or not a ton of passes, but what's that, like 50th percentile, 60th percentile, somewhere in that range. But he literally lined up at wide receiver in college. So I think running routes out of the backfield is very much in his range. Again, McKissick gone. We have Eric Bieniemy coming in, which makes me really excited about this offense because 
Eric Bieniemy, Andy Reid, they love to use their running back in the screen games. You had Jarek McKinnon at 56 catches last year, Darrell Williams at 47 catches the year before that. Those are two backs that aren't all that talented, getting a lot of receiving work. And you have Gibson coming on, his best receiving season to date. He had a career-high 46 catches last year. He should challenge for 50-plus. And this was a guy that was at RB19 in expected points per game last year. McKissick was fourth in receiving expected points per game. Some of that should shift back to Gibson. And Gibson had top 10 marks in both yards per outrun and targets per outrun last year. He was a really good back in the receiving game. I like the upside of this offense. You have a new coach calling plays. You have Sam Howell, who's a complete unknown. Maybe he's good. Maybe he's not. And then you also have Antonio Gibson, who's going at the RB32 right now. And he has finished as the RB28, RB17, and RB16 in his career. To me, he's a nice like fringe RB2 option here that should have a nice like PPR receiving role. Of course, you have Brian Robinson there, who is probably more of the Pacheco to Gibson's McKinnon, which to me, I'd rather have the McKinnon role, the receiving upside, especially in PPR leagues. But there's a chance that Gibson is more efficient than B- Brian Robinson and gets some of the, uh, you know, a bigger share of the carries than we might think. Or there's a chance that Brian Robinson gets hurt. And then there's very few players that have a profile like Antonio Gibson slotted into a three down role in the NFL. And at that point, he would be like a top 12 running back in that kind of contingent value upside, which is important. Once you get to like the ninth, 10th round, injuries get important for kind of what the upside looks like in that spot. Now, our third running back here is Rashad Penny. He is going on underdog as the 906 of the RB34. He is my 903 as my RB34. So I'm about right on market with him, but I've been taking him a lot. He keeps creeping up all offseason. And you guys know, I literally just preached... I love my three down running backs. I want guys who can catch passes and score touchdowns. But once we're in this green zone, I'm fine taking the between the tackles grinders on good offenses, right? So I don't love Brian Robinson, right? Battle, battle line on Washington. They're not going to be top five in league scoring. But when we go to the Eagles offense, we have Rashad Penny. I'm very much in because we have the Eagles who were sixth in red zone trips last year. They had multiple 10 plus rush touchdown guys in Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders. And They led the entire NFL in rushing TDs, and Rashad Penny comes in and profiles immediately as pretty much 2023's Miles Sanders, where DeAndre Swift and Kenneth Gainwell are both talented pass catchers, but in terms of between the tackles, uh, being efficient between the tackles, that's Rashad Penny's game. Now, when it comes to pure rushing, Rashad Penny has all the talent in the world. This is a great little tweet uh, from Jacob Sanderson. We've had him on the channel. We do drafts with him every week. Make sure you check those out. Thursday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern. We stream every week, uh, and I have Jacob on to sort of pick his brain. He's really sharp when it comes to kind of breaking down talent at the running back position. He said in March 14th, he called Rashad Penny a top 10 rusher in the NFL, and people kind of came at him. And then he said for people questioning the top 10 claim, Penny's 2.1 rushing yards over expectation per attempt in 2021 is the highest on record in next-gen stats tracking since 2017. He was second in yards created per touch despite being a pass came zero. This stat is heavily weighted to pass catcher. Again, if it's yards created per touch, anything on a per-touch basis is going to favor a reception because on a given reception is more yards than a given rush. And he was still second in yards created per touch. He was number one in breakaway run rate. He is super efficient, super talented, it really just comes down to whether or not he's going to stay healthy. Now, that's baked into his price, right? We're getting him in the ninth round here at RB34 after seeing Miles Sanders in pretty much the same role be the RB21 last year. I will happily take the injury discount there. I'll let others take DeAndre Swift's pass-catching ceiling. I love DeAndre Swift, but this just isn't really a good fit for his skill set. Kenny Gainwell had like 50-plus catches in college in an offense that had Antonio Gibson out there running routes. And Miles Sanders was the guy who came into the NFL and had like about 50 catches his rookie year. And despite that, last year, the Eagles were 
last in RB targets and last in RB target share. This is a uh, table from JJ Zacharyson. He has a really cool data dump he does in season. This was from week 18, pretty much taking up the entire year. Philadelphia last year, whether it's Jalen Hurts or the scheme, they're not checking down to running backs or really using running back in the passing game at all. So when that's not really Jalen Hurts' game or the offense's game, I'd rather the efficient, pure rusher with double-digit TD upside. And that's what we were getting in Rashad Penny, where he's already getting some buzz in camp. I'll say uh, Elliot Shore Park says Rashad Penny gets the first carry of training camp with the first-team offense. Uh, for what it's worth, like these reports I, I don't think are all that actionable or meaningful, but he's at least in the mix to be with the first-team offense as like the 1A, 1B split with like DeAndre Swift. And that's what we want, right? In the context of this offense, give me the pure rusher, goal line back. Rashad Penny's like 225, 230. He's way bigger than Swift and Gainwell. He should be featured on the goal line. He should be the featured rusher of this offense. And the kind of efficiency that Penny has seen before on this offense with this touchdown upside, the amount of you know touchdown trips, red zone trips are going to have. This is behind the number one ranked offensive line per establish the run. And the QB rushing threat from Jalen Hurts means there's going to be even more light boxes and efficiency. When you have that read option, just, just, the, just the, the fake of the read option for those like inside zone type plays, it opens up a lot of efficiency for your running back. This is a, a back in Rashad Penny who could have like six yards per carry, a thousand rushing yards, and like 10 touchdowns in the context of this offense. And if playoff schedule, you know, tickles your fancy, the Eagles play the Cardinals and the Seahawks in two of three of those playoff weeks who allowed the third and fourth most points two opposing running backs last year in fantasy football. So to me, Rashad Penny's an absolute smash. I don't really understand why Swift is going like two full rounds ahead of him at this point. Now, our fourth must-draft running back is going to be Zach Charbonnet. Zach Charbonnet. This is a guy who's going in the 10.05 at the 10.05 on underdog fantasy, the RB35. He is my 9.04 as my RB35. So RB35 versus RB35, but I'm a round higher. And that's honestly the beauty of the rankings right now on patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. You can find my top 200 PPR and half PPR cheat sheet where the rankings themselves are specifically designed where once we get past the RB dead zone and like Zay Flowers and Michael Thomas are off the board, I'm pushing all these running backs up again. Zach Charbonnet is my RB 35. He is underdogs 1005. He's my 904. I'm making sure that once the wide receivers that I want are gone, we're pushing up all of these running backs into the green zone to make sure that we're avoiding the dead zone but we're hammering running backs in this round 7 to 10 range. So if you want to go out there, dominate your leagues, make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart. I'll have a link in the description. At the top of the comment section down below, I have a top 200 with uh, your ideal rounds and tiers. So I have like my target rounds for each player to draft. You can print it out. You can have it online and hit the little checklist. But it is the one sheet that I'm bringing into every single draft with me. And then, of course, on the Patreon, you get all kinds of stuff. You get my weekly waiver wire uh, article with fab recommendations. You get my weekly rankings. You get my uh, Patreon exclusive Sunday start sit streams. Make sure your lineup is right for the games on Sundays. You get my rest of season rankings. You get all the dynasty stuff. You get everything you could possibly want on the Patreon. Now, when it comes to Zach Charbonnet, he is a really, really fun profile. He is a really fun profile where I really liked him coming out of school. He's this like bigger back who is six foot, 214 pounds, runs a 4.5, comparable to the Marco Murray. I would slow my roll on that. I would say probably more so in the like, uh, probably more so in like the James Conner camp, but 4.5 speed, six foot, 214 pounds, 93rd college target share, uh, or 93rd percentile college target share. And this is a guy, it's funny that he's on the Seahawks, but to me, he profiles like this year's, you know, Kenneth Walker, Travis Etienne, where they're in like a ambiguous backfield 
and from like week six on is an absolute league winner down the stretch. Now, the reason I love Zach Charbonnet is he's cheap. Again, you're getting him in the 10th round here, and he gets drafted in the second round by the Seahawks. That's big boy draft capital, and he's the perfect high-value touchback for this offense. Again, we talked about it with Kamara. We want receptions. We want touchdowns, and Zach Charbonnet is perfect for that, where Kenneth Walker, to me, profiles more of like your Miles Sanders, where he's very efficient, he's breaking off long runs, but he's going to do a lot of his work between the 20s. To me, Zach Charbonnet was brought in to do two things, one catch passes, two be on the goal line. He's six foot, 214 pounds, he had a 93rd percentile college target share, whereas Kenneth Walker last year had 1.8 reception per game, 50th in the NFL among RBs last year with seven games played, and he also had a 34th percentile college target share. He didn't catch passes in college. He didn't catch passes in his first year in the NFL. It is crazy to now project him to catch passes going into year two. Now, Charbonnet comes in with the pass-catching skill set. You have to assume that the Seahawks drafted him for that, and they drafted him because they were sick of having Travis Homer and DJ Dallas as their third down back. Now they can have a real guy in the backfield on third downs and passing situations that can also be a threat between the tackles. And this is an offense where we want the pass catching back, right? This is a top 10 scoring offense last year who project to get there again. And established run has them with a top 10 offensive line as well. We want backs in this offense. Give me the cheaper one in Zach Charbonnet, who has a path to the receiving role. And then also the goal line carries, where he's a bigger back than Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker is 5'9", 209. He has BMI on Zach Charbonnet, but Zach Charbonnet is a bigger framed back. And Walker's more of this boom-bust running back, where he had the eighth-best breakaway run rate last year, which is great, but he was bottom three in success rate, right? That stat that we talked about with Kamara last year, where on a per-play basis, he was bottom three next to James Robinson and Michael Carter among running backs with 100-plus rush attempts in terms of just success rate on a per-play basis, getting what's blocked. And when you get in close in those short-yarded situations on third and short or on the goal line, you don't want the home run hitter. That's when you bring in your hammer, Zach Charbonnet. You bring him in, and that, to me... He perfectly profiles as a guy who's going to catch passes and score touchdowns. And in this offense, that's really, really valuable. And that's also not to mention that Kenneth Walker, uh, to be fair, Kenneth Walker and Zach Charbonnet have both been dealing with injuries. But Zach Charbonnet is already back out there. He's back on the field. Uh, he had a shoulder injury, but he's back on the field. He's practicing in pads. Whereas Kenneth Walker still isn't out there with a groin injury. Kenneth Walker, a guy, uh, I think that he had a, an injury problem last year as well. I guess Seahawks running backs in general haven't stayed healthy, but... I just want pieces of this offense. Zach Charbonnet is the cheapest one with the easiest path to the touches I'm looking for. So give me Zach Charbonnet. I'm drafting a ton of him right now. Now, after that, we have Devin A. Chain as I think our fifth must-draft running back. Now, he is going on underdog as the 10.09 as the RB38. He is my 9.05 as my RB36. So again, two running back spots ahead of ADP, but like a full round and a half. I'm making sure we're really pushing these running backs up. And we talked about A. Chain in our skyrocketing video uh, like last week. But I couldn't keep him off this list, right? We're going to look back at this list. Last year, I highlighted four running backs. We had Tony Parter and Ramondre Stevenson among those. Clyde Edwards-Alaire as well. You can say it was a bust, but through five weeks was like a top five running back. So literally, I don't know, man. Sue me. Like Clyde Edwards-Alaire was a decent pick last year. Um, but when we talk about A-Chain, I wanted him in this video. I've been trying to really hammer him home. I was fading him at one point because I wanted to wait for Dalvin Cook to sign somewhere. But Dalvin Cook, if he signs with the, the Dolphins... You're going to get like, uh, you know, the price is going to go down. But if you sign somewhere else, Devin Achen only becomes more expensive. I just want to get in. Devin Achen is a guy I was all over in Dynasty. I loved him in rookie drafts. And he's just a, a profile that I want to bet on. Now, yes, he is undersized. But he's one of these backs like an Eckler, a Kamara, where he doesn't need 20 touches per game and like 300 carries. It's not Devin Achen's game. And when we talk about 
in the context of a good offense like the Miami Dolphins, we don't need that 300 touch back. We just need efficiency, scoring, big plays. And that's what Devin Chain can offer you in this offense, right? Miami was the sixth highest scoring offense last year. And Tua, unlike our Jalen Hurts, is much more of a pocket passer, sit in the pocket, and just take what the defense is giving him, which I think is going to be plenty of checkdowns to Devin Chain as everything kind of spreads out and spreads up when you have, you know, Waddle and Tyree Kill on the outside. And Devin A. Chain is the perfect back to kind of take advantage of that, where he's 5'9", 188 pounds, so he's undersized. But he has 4'3 speed. He can catch passes. He has a 93rd percentile college target share. And he is not just a pass catcher. He is not just a satellite back, Devin A. Chain. He is a good, pure rusher. Last year, he averaged over 100 rushing yards per game in the SEC. That is big-time stuff. He also outproduced Isaiah Spiller on a per-carrier basis, another NFL running back when he was in that offense. Devin A. Chain can run the ball, can catch passes, and he comes into a running back room with a 31-year-old Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson, two guys who were outside the top 40 in yards per out run last year. Devin A. Chain immediately profiles as your long down and distance, third down, two-minute drill back, which is huge. And then he also projects perfectly where Raheem Mostert's getting old and he rarely stays healthy for an entire season. Devin Chain and Raheem Mostert are almost the same dude in the way that, you know, McDaniel brought over that Shanahan-style scheme of your outside zone backs where, you know, guys like uh, Matt Breida and Raheem Moster and Jerick McKinnon all look good in that scheme. And now you have Devin A-Chain, who has a ton of juice, is much fresher than Raheem Moster. And eventually, I think there's going to be a point during the season where Devin A-Chain leapfrogs Moster, gets those outside zone scheme runs, and then also gets the two-minute drill, long down and distance, and third down uh, stuff going on. And all of a sudden, you have a guy who's going to profile for like 10, 12 to 15 touches, high-scoring offense, carries, targets, everything you could possibly want. And that 4-3 speed, he's not going to be the goal line back, right? Jeff Wilson, much bigger. But there's going to be plenty of breakaway runs and chunk plays in this offense for Devin A-Chain. I would be very excited for A-Chain right now. I would draft him while there's still any Dalvin Cook uncertainty out there. Now, our last running back here is Damian Harris. He is going off the board as the 10-12 is the RB40 on underdog. He is my 909 as my RB40. So again, same running back price, but I'm like around higher than ADP because we're pushing up these running backs in the dead zone. And it's a similar story to Rashad Penny, where Damian Harris is in a backfield with James Cook as his only competition. Latavius Murray's there, but he's more... Latavius Murray's not a pass catcher. He's probably a better pass catcher than Damian Harris. I would say Damian Harris is the clear, best, pure rusher. And, of course, the story with the Bills have been that Josh Allen's going to take away a lot of the goal line carries. But I think when we talk about an offense here where the Bills were top eight in red zone trips last year, there's going to be plenty of opportunity to score. And we've seen Damian Harris on an offense with Mac Jones that wasn't all that good have over 1,000 rushing yards and over 15 touchdowns in 2021. Damian Harris, to me, is the perfect Jamal Williams candidate for 2023 to lead the NFL or lead the, you know, or not even lead, but just have like 12 plus rushing touchdowns. I think that's very much in their range. Now, again, Josh Allen has been the goal line back recently, but he's getting old. He's not getting older, right? He's not 30, but he's getting to the point now where the team fell apart last year down the stretch after he uh, had that UCL injury. Now, of course, that wasn't scrambling related, but I think that more than ever, they want their franchise back not to get meaningless injuries early in the season. They've had so much playoff heartbreak at this point with the Bills that they just want Josh Allen in one piece for their playoff run and I don't think it makes sense in like week six in a random game versus the Cardinals or whoever they're playing non-divisional opponent to ram Josh Allen between the tackles on the goal line when they really don't have to and they've never had a good pure rusher in the context of this offense right Devin Singletary not great Zach Moss not great 
old Frank Gore, not great. They finally have a guy in Damian Harris who's not the best running back in the world, but he profiles like, you know, a Gus Edwards or, you know, to a lesser extent, a guy like Rashad Penny. But he profiles as a very good pure rusher. And this is another Jacob Sanderson tweet. Again, we love what Jacob does uh, in terms of breaking down running backs. And he said, Damian Harris ranked in the top quartile and rushes over expected percentage all three years he qualified. He produced between 0.4 and 0.67 rush yards over expectation each of those years. Two out of three years in the top quartile. Two out of three years, he ranked top 10 in PFF rush grade. He isn't this spectacular talent, but he takes what's blocked. He has good PFF rush grades. He's a good pure rusher. He is somebody, unlike a small Devin Singletary or like a slow Zach Moss, where, you know, a lot of teams would sit back in too high versus the Bills, challenge them to rush the ball, and they just wouldn't be able to, right, with Devin Singletary and, like, a, a weaker O-line. But now they have a, a real pure rusher that can punish teams for being in light boxes. So I think that he's going to have a lot of efficiency between the tackles and between the 20s. And I think when we look at the backfield, you have James Cook and Latavius Murray. Latavius Murray, a little bit of a bigger back, but I would be shocked if they, if they gave him uh, a role over Damian Harris when it comes to goal line, between the 20s work. The only thing I could really see is if they wanted a bigger back for pass uh, protection, Latavius Murray would make sense there. But when it comes to goal line between the 20s rushes, it's Damian Harris. Damian Harris, to me, has a path to 1,000-plus rushing yards, 10-plus rushing touchdowns in the context of this offense. Again, I like three down backs. I like your pass catching and touchdowns. But give me the grinder on these good teams that can just fall in the end zone 10 or more times, get all the efficiency from these high-scoring teams, and, you know, have a path to being an RB2 in fantasy, because that's kind of what we're looking for in this range. Now, that is going to do it for us today. Again, if you haven't checked them out already, make sure you check out patreon.com slash Ron Stewart, my 2023 fantasy football draft cheat sheet, ranking sheet, whatever you want to call it, is out. My top 200, it's all right there. It's a sheet that I'm taking into every single one of my drafts with me, so you should do the same. So as always, I appreciate you guys watching. Hope you guys enjoyed, and I will see you guys in the next one. Stones, uh, like this froze, uh, ice cold, uh, oh, oh.